what you call a traitor. There is no other word for that man. And he's been doing treasonous activity under the table against our country. For what? What did we do wrong to him? Did his daddy spank him too much when he was a little boy? No, I'm telling you the truth. It's a spiritual truth. Jesus Christ said it well to the scribes and the Pharisees. You are of your father, the devil. Well, you want to know what the son of the devil looks like? He's sitting in the White House of the United States of America, giving our country away to China, to Iran, to Putin. He is a traitor. Among traitors, I've never seen a president blatantly. Obama gave him $150 billion of bullion gold. He's a traitor. We all know that. He's not a Christian. He's a Muslim. He's a sold-out Muslim who hates America. They snuck his ass in there, the CIA, got him in the White House. So now, Biden, is the timing just not incredible? Right after he walks out of the room with Xi Jinping, give Iran that $10 billion we've been holding up. And American soldiers, it came from Iraq, American soldiers died, gave up their foots, their eyes, their arms, their legs, their minds to fight for that money. I have never seen more corruption among more leaders in the world than I have right here in the United States of America. Right now. All of them. You know who we need right now? General William Tecumseh Sherman. Line up that 60,000 soldiers that he took in the Civil War when he conquered Atlanta and marched to the sea. Drive every one of those traitors into the sea. Let's see if they can swim. Swim over across the Atlantic to whatever communist, treasonous country they want to live in besides America. You're in tune to Enlightenment Radio, (laughs) where we teach love, peace, joy, and happiness in a loving way. We must forgive him. We must forgive him. Yes. So let's bow our heads, look down upon our, sweat, our waists, and see which, which weapon do you want to use. I got a Bible in one hand, and I got a gun in the other. Which one do we want to use? Some days I wonder. A new investigation has revealed that a German journalist and best-selling author who wrote extensively about Vladimir Putin received hundreds of thousands of euros from a close ally of the Russian president. Hubert Zeipel's latest book, Putin's Power, describes the author as the only Western journalist to have direct, personal access to the Russian president. A summary on his publisher's website adds, hardly anyone knows Vladimir Putin as well as Hubert Zeipel. I'm Anya Korzen, a journalist at Kiev Post. Subscribe to our channel for regular updates, exclusive interviews, and explainers. According to the new investigation, Zeipel received a total of 600,000 euros via Cyprus-based company linked to Alexei Mardashov, an oligarch who is close to Putin. Mardashov is a billionaire who owns the largest Russian steel and mining company, Severstal. He has been sanctioned by the United States, the European Union, and Britain since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The accusations are part of a report published by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, based on confidential files from financial services companies based in Cyprus. When questioned by the ICIJ, 
Zaipel rejected the idea that he was some sort of agent of Putin. But he did admit to receiving money from Mordashov, saying his support relates exclusively to the book project. He did not confirm the amounts he'd received, but said that despite being given the money, it had not affected his impartiality. I always set clear boundaries that guaranteed my independence, he said. Previously, when asked if he had taken money from Russia in an interview, he responded, are you crazy? No. Journalists, not on the payroll of the Kremlin, are understandably outraged. Deputy chief editor of the German newspaper Bild, Paul Rosenheimer, said in a post on social media, as a journalist and a person, I feel nothing but contempt for this behavior on the part of Hubert Zeipel. Zeipel allowed himself to be bought by a war criminal. He told reporters like me and others on talk shows that we were all naive and that Putin was right in many ways on his criticism of NATO, etc. This is so disgusting that you hardly know what to say about it. Zeipel's employers aren't happy either. The chairman of public broadcaster NDR said we suspect that we, and therefore our audience, have been deliberately misled. NDR added that it sees a significant conflict of interest that casts doubt on Mr. Zeipel's journalistic independence and is now considering taking legal action against him. Some commentators have suggested Zeipel's could just be the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Russia's influence among Western journalists. Ukraine watcher Matija Nellis said the news was not very surprising, adding, let's not be naive. The Russian influence network in Germany is bigger than many understand. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for watching. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, like this video, and leave us a comment. And I'll see you next time. That's our crack reporter, Anya Korshin from the Kiev uh, Post. Hope to uh, get her as a permanent host, permanent host, you know, talking head, chiming in once a week. But basically what she said is more traitors, more uh, backbiters, more. I've learned now that these stories and these pictures and photographs and lies that are being submitted to American news media are being directly handled by the intel agency through Putin, through our media. They're letting it happen. They're allowing Putin some of these magazines, and they're getting them by way of secret CIA traders, assets of Russia, going to our magazine. So, Ukraine, don't feel so bad. You're getting the propaganda just keep on trucking. Now, for the crux of the story I opened up with, is it in, uh, we got that in Ukraine there, Frenchie? Yes. Story number two, go to down to the uh, Ukraine, hardhope.com. There's a YouTube icon. Click on it. It will take you to the YouTube channel that's going to translate to the Ukraine language, we hope. All right, give it a try. I should be reading it. Let me go to the, because uh, there's a lot to be read here. My bad. The U.S. 
is said to have approved a sanctions waiver that will allow Iran to access at least $10 billion in previously frozen funds. The new 120-day waiver allows Iraq to transfer frozen electricity payments into Iranian-owned bank accounts in Europe. Iraq owes Iran around $11 billion. I don't care what they owe them. However, Tehran could only use the funds for non-sanctionable transactions, such as buying humanitarian goods. You believe that? Those U.S. imposed a range of sanctions on Tehran. Let me turn down the music. All right. The latest... The July, the U.S. announced that some of Iran's frozen funds in Iraq would go to Oman, acting as a conduit to release the money under U.S. supervision. Well, there's a bunch of Arabs sitting around there. The late October, the governor of the Central Bank of Iran reportedly discussed expediting Iran's money to come to them. Earlier in June, the U.S. agreed to make a $2.7 billion available for Iran's contributions. In September, Washington released about $6 billion of a Tehran's frozen funds to South Korea in exchange. I can't read this fast enough. The U.S.-Iran deal led to the criticism of Biden administration, as many call the scheme of the largest ransom payment in history. Ransom. Iraq waiver could boost funds for Hamas and Hezbollah. Now we got a picture of Congress. Republicans have slammed the Biden administration for giving Iran greater excess funds than Tehran can spend. The move also comes after Washington asked Baghdad to curtail attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq by Iranian allied militias. Since October 17th through today, we are tracking that there have been 55 attacks on U.S. forces there have been 27 attacks against U.S. forces in Iraq and 28 attacks in Syria. We are also tracking 59 U.S. These attacks are all run by Iran. ...in the TBI or non-serious categories since these, uh, since these attacks began. Approximately 27 personnel have been evaluated for TBI and 32 for other non-serious injuries. As of today, all 59 have returned to duty. Well, isn't that special? The more they attack us, the more we pay them. The U.S. has retaliated by launching airstrikes in eastern Syria on Iranian-backed militia. The Iraqi waiver renewal has sparked concerns that such financial support could indirectly aid Iran's proxies. Well, you think? Critics argue that since money has the access to Iran, let me catch up with the writing there and lower the music again. Republican lawmakers argue that Tehran could divert funds into U.S.-designated terror groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. 
Republican Senator Bill Haggerty has renewed his call on Congress to pass his proposed Iran sanctions relief. The bill, supported by 41 senators, can mandate a congressional review of actions to terminate or waive sanctions imposed. American sanctions experts have termed the decision to release Iran's money in Iraq a massive sanctions relief for Iran. In the wake of October 7th and attacks on U.S. forces, it should be American policy to deny and they're reading that awfully fast across my screen. Well, that's the end of that one. Did you get some of that in uh, Ukraine there, uh, Frenchie? I guess. So, now, the next report is going to be coming from Fox News. They used to be the conservative arbiters of what is close to the truth to the story in America. Once a guy used to be Speaker of the House named Paul Ryan. He's what they call a rhino, a Republican in name only. And he was the vice presidential candidate with Newt Romney, a couple of rhinos, a couple of cop-outs. All they care about is global dominance and that they're a part of money, power, so forth. So Paul Ryan, all of a sudden, he resisted President Trump's didn't give him one legislation that whole first year. Not one, except maybe the tax one. And then Paul Ryan leaves Congress and he goes to work as the head of Fox News, CEO. Well, guess what happens? Guess what happens? Lou Dobbs gets fired, the most conservative businessman on their show. Trish Reagan, she's a conservative female. She gets fired. Bill Riley was fired before all this anyway, so that was the start of the domino effect. Then, um, yes, uh, recently, Tucker Carlson, their main anchor of truth and conservatism, they fired him. Now, Fox News is just another fart in the wind, as far as I'm concerned. They're just another fart in the wind. I don't know. There may be a couple shows worth watching. I watch uh, the Business Channel with Bill Bill Barney, uh, Maria Bartolomo. The Five is kind of wishy-washy. They get, you know, they're limited to what they can bring up. Jesse Waters is okay. Who's the blonde girl? But that's about it. Judge Janine Pirro, she gets it right. She's feisty. But if they don't want you to air it, you're not going to talk about it. They do not talk about the election result. They cannot talk about it. They cannot talk about this insurrection that happened. Insurrection. This little rebellion that happened after Trump's demise and his downfall from a rigged election. I can say rigged election because I don't owe anybody any money to any sponsors. Not yet. So YouTube may have a problem with it. I don't know. We're going to find out, aren't we, Frenchie? So in this situation, Fox News has got a senator that they always put on. His name is, his name escapes me right now. He'll be on, Senator from Carolina, Leslie, what's his name? And he always comes on and he says this and he says that, but nothing ever happens. Nothing ever comes from it. He was John McCain's close friend. What does that tell you? He and his partner, John McCain, made sure that the militant group, ISIS, uh, you're close. Um, they made, there's pictures of them with the, the group of ISIS handing them weapons. Our senators. <laughs> Supplying them with less we weapons. Woman. 
That's a man. Well, we're getting to him right now. Let's go with it. We'll see. I'll stop and say his name when we get to it. The root of all evil here is Iran. There is no Hamas. That's him right Iran. there. 93% of their budget comes from the Iranian Ayatollah. Hezbollah is a complete <laughs> subsidiary of the Iranian Ayatollah. Uh, so at the end of the day, the Houthis survive on uh, money from the Ayatollah. So now we learned Tehran's going to get richer. Lindsey Graham, Salman. Lindsey Graham. Green lights roughly. Lindsey Graham. Iran. State Department insists it's only for humanitarian aid. Sounds humanitarian aid. Now watch these guys around the round table. The State Department to explain this. Jillian. Good morning to you, Bill. So the Biden administration is renewing what is called a sanctions waiver. It's going to allow the Iranian regime imminently to access $10 billion in frozen funds that are being held inside Iraq. This is a decision that comes as Iranian-backed forces are continually attacking U.S. forces inside the Middle East. Now, despite, uh, I think, a total, we're looking at 56 strikes now in 29 days, State Department officials insist they are unconcerned about the prospect of that money being used to fund terrorists. Listen. We don't worry about optics. We about, worry about reality. Listen and to this bull. Is this guy. Funds, as I said, can only be used for humanitarian and other non-sanctionable purposes. What an idiot. This waiver allows Iraq to pay Iran for electricity. It's going to go through European and Omani banks. Iraq imports as much as 40 We're going to pay their electric bills in Iran with that money. It was just two months ago the Biden administration released $6 billion of frozen Iranian funds as part of a prisoner swap deal. Now Republican lawmakers are calling for increased sanctions against Tehran. Listen. There is a whole suite of things we can be doing right now as a country to weaken Iran and choke them off. This is just good old-fashioned, hard reimposition of serious sanctions. Well, Iran's Ayatollah recently bragged sanctions? that should the really? regime gain access to billions of dollars in unfrozen funds, they will use it, spend that money however they see fit, including funding Hamas terrorists. Now, the State Department tells us, uh, Bill, by way of defense, that they have indeed applied 400 new sanctions against Iran since they've been in office. Back um, to you. Uh, it's a hamster wheel, Jillian, and it's a lot of money. Thank you, live at the State Department. I'm Steve Ducey. I'm Brian Kilmeade. And I'm Ainsley Earhart. And click here to subscribe to the Fox News YouTube page to catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. No, thank you. You guys just kind of just a little puff piece on that major. You know, they also threw in there that they got $6 billion a few months ago. So a billion here, a billion there trickles into Iran. And what happens? They blow up the hell out of Israel. Death to America. Let's give them some more money. Death to America. Death to freedom. Death to love. Death to freedom. Death to God. Death to everything that means anything valuable to people like you and I, my fellow Ukrainians. We want family. We want love. We want peace. We want freedom. We want joy. We want generations of this to go on in our, in our circle of life. But they don't want us. If they yank the father out of the family, make him a slave, send him up to, uh, what is it, Siberia. China's the same way. Slave labor. Iran, the women are demeaned. They can't even show their faces. They're beautiful women. I've seen them. I used to live with Iranian women in Denver going to college. Back when, uh, before the uh, Shah of Iran was overthrown. Oh, yeah, he was a dictator. He kept prisoners. But at least, you know, what is it? This, this saying, uh, you know, one is worse than the other. 
Which one are you going to choose? Two evils don't make it good. But Iran has been labeled one of the top. What they, they got the uh, axis of evil. And Iran has always been in the axis of evil. And here I'm looking at, okay, now we've got 100, 300,000 soldiers in Afghanistan, British, French, and American, German. And we've got about 500,000 soldiers in Iraq. And I'm going, what are we doing there? Well, I know we were growing the poppy fields back for Iran, for the heroin trade for the CIA. But right smack in the middle, wait a minute, there's Iran. I thought, oh, that's brilliant. They're going to smash the hell out of Iran with all those soldiers already there. You know what happened during that time? Iran hijacked the Navy ship full of Navy soldiers and tortured them. And we didn't do a damn thing about it. And here I thought we were there to destroy Iran. I'd make a lousy president, wouldn't I? I, I, just, I just don't get it. Just don't get it. The spice expands consciousness. Expands consciousness. The music you are listening to is coming from Enlightenment Radio. Sound waves that lift your consciousness, enhance your mood, and transcends time and space. Visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com where you'll be guided each level of transformation to become an enlightened one. Handful of 
senators don't pass legislation and marches alone can't bring integration when human respect is disintegrating this whole crazy world is just too frustrating and you tell me Big hit from the 60s. Looks like he's got a little uh, feedback at the end of that song. Okay, we have one more story. Of course, it's a positive one, how the Ukraine is kicking ass against Russians. Let's go with this story. Ukraine has moved armor to the left side of the Dnipro River and destroyed one of Russia's newest warships with a missile strike in Crimea, while Moscow has threatened to send Ukrainian prisoners of war to fight on the front line against Ukraine. We're in Kharkiv again, and this is a scene of yet another Russian... My name is Jerome Starkey. This is Frontline, your roundup of the most important news from the war in Ukraine, available online and now as a podcast. We'll start with what's happening in Kherson, where Russian military bloggers have amplified photographs that appear to show an amphibious vehicle transporting an infantry fighting vehicle across the Dnipro River. Now, this is significant because for many weeks now, Ukrainian forces, indeed many months, Ukrainian forces have been skirmishing on the left bank of the Dnipro River, which is largely under Russian control. Ukrainians hold the right bank around Kherson. Russians have held the left bank since they retreated (coughs) about a year ago. But Ukrainian forces have been pushing over in various operations of various sizes. And now uh, it seems they're moving armor over there, establishing a larger, heavier force. Significant because it will complicate Russian decision-making. Russian generals may be uh, forced to move resources back into Kherson uh, to counter this growing Ukrainian threat. But also, it will present Ukraine with a problem, because the more forces they have on the left bank of the river in Kherson region, the harder it will be for them to resupply them, because the only bridges across that river for some 200 miles have been destroyed. That's the Antonovsky Bridge in Kherson and the Novohokovka Dam further up that was blown up, sending huge floods downstream. Now, we understand that about 
from Kherson city to about 30 kilometers to the east. Uh, there is a range of Ukrainian forces operating between two and four kilometers beyond the left bank of the river. That is probably the most significant development on the battlefield in Ukraine. Skirmishes, battles, offensives are continuing along the length of the front line, right up from Kupiansk in the northeast, where Russian forces continue to attack, through Bakhmut in the east, where we understand Ukrainian forces have made some small advances through Donetsk and into Zaporizhia, which was the focus of Ukraine's counteroffensive. Those battles have been bloody and costly, uh, but there is not a lot of movement at the moment on the front lines, making uh, some analysts suggesting that it has reached a sort of bloody stalemate. Uh, that doesn't mean that stalemate will continue forever, but at the moment, not an awful lot of movement, which may explain uh, why Ukraine continues its focus on hitting Russian resources deep behind the front line. And that brings us to the cruise missile strike on the Askold Corvette, a Karakut-class Corvette, which was in a shipyard in the far east of Crimea, the Crimean Peninsula, in Kerch. This is significant for a number of reasons, not least because it comes on the back of more than 16 Russian naval vessels which have been damaged, destroyed or sunk since the start of the war. It follows a successful strike against a Kilo-class submarine and a Rapucha-class landing ship, which were both in dry docks in Sebastopol, and a successful strike against Russia's naval headquarters also in Sebastopol. Sebastopol on the western edge of the occupied Crimean Peninsula. Kerch, where the Askold was hit and destroyed, it would seem, or damaged beyond economic repair, is in the far east of the Crimean Peninsula. So that represents new reach for Ukraine with its cruise missiles. We understand this was carried out with the French-made Scalp cruise missiles. That's the French variant of the British Storm Shadow, which has already been used uh, to such effect on the western edge of Crimea. British military intelligence suggesting that these, this latest attack may well force Russia to retreat, uh, to withdraw its naval forces and its shipbuilding capability uh, away from Crimea, further east, potentially out of range uh, of Ukraine's forces. President Zelensky has already warned that as Russia moves its navy uh, to the east of the Black Sea, that Ukrainian attacks will follow it and they will attack the ships wherever they are. Finally, today we're going to discuss the Russian threats to bring a battalion of Ukrainian prisoners of war to fight in the war against Ukraine, so to fight for Russia against Ukraine. Now, this has been reported in the Russian news in RIA Novosti, a Russian news service, suggesting that about 70 uh, Ukrainian prisoners of war have been recruited, have sworn an oath of allegiance to Russia, and are now forming part of what is called the uh, Bogdan Khmelnytsky Battalion. It's worth saying that using prisoners of war in this way is sort of categorically and very clearly illegal and against the Geneva Conventions. It's illegal to use prisoners of war uh, as this sort of labor, let alone to use them uh, as fighters. It's also worth pointing out that 70 Ukrainian soldiers uh, brought into the fight is not going to make any material difference uh, to resources on the front line. This is more of a psychological weapon, you know, trying to undermine perhaps Ukraine's confidence in the sense that it may be fighting uh, its own people, the idea that there are turncoats, that people are swapping sides. 
Russians may hope uh, undermine the resolve of the Ukrainians. But clearly, so far, that resolve has not showed any sign of breaking. And we don't know what conditions these 70 soldiers were in and whether indeed they have indeed sworn allegiance, whether indeed this is true or whether this is just uh, a Russian propaganda claim. Russia has said that it will treat these soldiers as it treats its own soldiers. And we know from what we've seen over the last 21 months that that is not particularly well. As ever, if you have any questions, please do ask them in the comments below, and we'll endeavor to answer them next time. Questions from our last episode. The first one's about Iran. Uh, and can Iran continue to support Russia if it's also supporting Hamas in its conflict against Israel? Worth pointing out that Iran has significant military resources uh, that it uses both in its near uh, neighborhood and further afield. Indeed, uh, Iran has been named as one of the uh, most significant threats in the UK in terms of the way its uh, spies are operating, uh, threatening Iranian nationals and those with family in Iran living in the UK. The support it's providing to uh, Hamas in Gaza is very different to the support it's providing Russia. And therefore, it's unlikely that those uh, two elements will conflict with each other. It's unlikely that Iran will be overstretched. To Hamas, we understand it's principally uh, cash and logistics, possibly uh, rockets or rocket technology for the missiles that uh, Hamas has been firing into Israel. For Russia, it's principally the Shahed Kamikaze one-way attack drones, which have been used as part of Russia's regular bombardments, uh, particularly against Ukraine's energy infrastructure, these drones, not particularly fast flying, uh, but they do have a long range. They can be shot down, but they've been used in significant numbers uh, to overwhelm, in some cases, Ukraine's air defenses. Question number two was about the plans to get Ukrainian pilots flying F-16s. Where are we with that? Well, Romania uh, has just announced that it's ready to train Ukrainian pilots at the European Fighter Training Center, which it hosts. Uh, the Netherlands, uh, the Dutch Defence Ministry, have said that five of its F-16s are on their way to that training centre to be used for that training. And America said last month in October that its training programme for Ukrainian pilots was already underway, but that that training would take at least five months. So we'll be looking at you know, spring next year at the earliest when we might expect to see Ukrainian fighters in F-16s operating in Ukraine. Question number three, how should viewers of, of, of this show, uh, indeed readers of newspapers anywhere, readers of news on the internet, identify phony information? It's a really good question. Obviously, it's something that we wrestle with on a daily basis as we try and sift through what is credible and what is not. I mean, the simplest way, I would say, is to go to trusted news sources, because that is our job, is to sift through that information on your behalf. Uh, look at where the information is coming from. Look at who is saying what. Are they credible? Are they reliable? Is it transparently sourced? And finally, uh, question number four. Why were the Russian sea mine laying aircraft not detected and destroyed? You may remember last time we talked about reports that a Russian aircraft had dropped suspected mines in the Black Sea in the corridor that Ukraine was using uh, for vessels to take grain in and out of Ukraine through the Black Sea into international waters uh, so that it can export its grain around the world. 
Well, the first thing is to say, uh, according to the Ukrainian armed forces, these planes were, or plane was detected, uh, which is why we know about it. Question number two, why wasn't it destroyed? I can only speculate on that, that perhaps you know, where it was flying would have been out of range, or Ukraine may not have had the sort of anti-aircraft uh, missiles or defenses that would have been needed to shoot down that kind of aircraft within range of where it was detected. Thank you very much for watching or listening if you've joined us on the podcast. Uh, we look forward to seeing or speaking to you again. Please join us for our next update soon. Breakfast where the news is real. Television children fill. That's from the poet, singer, songwriter, Jim Morrison. And that's some feedback from my mic's too loud. Okay, so to the end. This is the song that was used for the end of the movie, Apocalypse Now. Why don't we listen to a little bit of that? This is the end. If you ever never saw Apocalypse Now, go see it. It's a brilliant movie about the Vietnam War.
Seven miles. 
This is the end Beautiful friend This is the end stinking big body. Smell. You know that gasoline smell. The whole hill smells like victory. Someday this war is going to end. Someday this war is going to end. See you next Monday, Enlightenment Radio.